Journalists are talking about the fact that President Trump is taking hydroxychloroquine because journalists are stupid and don't realize they're one day going to die and they will never be given back the time they spent talking about this, but will instead regret it to the very depths of their bodies and souls as they realize that when they could have been reading a book or playing with a child or praying or looking at the stars or who knows, even covering the news, they were instead discussing what medicine the president was taking and turning themselves into second-rate versions of Joe Scarborough, which would make them fourth-rate versions of themselves since Joe Scarborough is already a second-rate version of everyone else. And so these journalists will finally have to stare at the image of what they are and what they might have become if they hadn't wasted their lives talking about this absolutely unimportant non-issue. Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, who is 80 years old and so has very little time left to waste, nonetheless wasted some of it by attacking the president's physique, saying, quote, he shouldn't take this medicine because he's fat. Fat, fat, fat. A fat, fatty, porky, fat, fatso. He's so fat, he makes Stacey Abrams looks like a fa- look like a fashion model, although a really, really fat fashion model, because she's even fatter than Gerald Nadler. And that guy's a walking tub of lard, and he's not even half as fat as Michael Moore, who's even fatter than Trump, who's so fat he could die the slow, painful, horrifying death that I've imagined for him over and over again while I'm praying for him every day, unquote. NBC's Chuck Todd, recently elected president of the Association of Degraded Hacks, still pretending to be journalists, cheered the speaker's remarks, saying, quote, this is the sort of incisive, intelligent, nuanced commentary that we rely on to keep us from covering Obamagate. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray, oh, hooray, hurrah. All right, I want to say thanks to everybody. We asked you if you would get up by the subscriptions to my YouTube channel, Andrew Clavin YouTube channel to 40,000 in a week. You got it up to 40.5 thousand in two days. I really appreciate it. Let's try and push that up to 45,000. It's really good for us to do this. It really helps me out. And uh, we're watching your comments as well. We've got one today from Kitten Magician. You know, I was about to call this guy a raging sexist bigot, but now that I think about it, he wasn't included in the Media Matters article I read the other day. So how could I know what my opinion of him should be? Speaking of not knowing, I have no idea why I'm here. The only thing I do know is that I feel a very strong, almost supernatural urge to save this man, despite my very irrational hatred for both him in particular and bald people in general. So that's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's the level. That's the level of people we get subscribing. You certainly want to be one of those because what you know, you don't need a reputation anyway. All right, I don't want to waste even more of your time talking about this hydroxychloroquine thing. Trump has the best doctors on earth, and if he wants to take a medicine, it's nobody's business. But I do want to point out that the media spent most of yesterday discussing this as if it were a scandal, instead of discussing the new revelations about Obamagate, which are pretty startling and which actually is a scandal. And this should remind us of something about this administration that is really worth keeping in the forefront of our minds. The Trump administration is scandal-free. It's scandal-free. It has not been found to be breaking any laws. It hasn't transgressed transgressed against any of our freedoms. It hasn't bugged any journalists. It hasn't spied on any political candidates. This is important because the media has made every effort to create an atmosphere of scandal and chaos, which simply isn't there. Trump has been investigated, harassed, and impeached for three years over nothing. Zero. Zip. 
nada. Whereas the press has treated Obamagate like their own backsides, which is to say they couldn't find it with two hands and a flashlight. As a result of this, and because we've allowed the left to have an almost complete monopoly on the communications industries, we're caught inside a system that works like this. Trump ties his tie. We have to waste time explaining that it isn't a scandal. Obamagate undermines every standard of decent American governance. We have to explain why it is a scandal. Or to translate that into specific reality, Trump takes a medicine after consulting with his doctor. We're supposed to weigh in on this meaningless event, which shouldn't be talked about at all, like the Ukraine business that they impeached him over. The Obamagators are revealed to have withheld information from an incoming administration days before it took office. We have to set the world on fire to get any coverage for it at all. There is absolutely zero reason why this should be accepted as the norm by Americans on either side who wants to be lied to all the time, every day. But it is the norm. And while it's the norm, we have to do the work the media won't do. And even that the right wing media isn't smart enough to do, which is that we have to edit out the noise from our minds. And remember that this is an administration that is operated within the law following a lawless group of Chicago pumps punks, the Obamagators. Hydroxychloroquine, my ass. All right, let us talk about stamps.com because, listen, if you're out of stamps, if you need the post office, the post office has a lot of great services. What do you not want to do? You don't want to drive to the post office, which even now in LA, it takes 40 minutes to get five minutes away. And you don't want to stand in line with a bunch of people wearing masks and have to social distance. Why would you do that when you can get Stamps.com and have the post office right in your computer. Stamps.com, you can print postage on demand and skip those lines and crowds at the post office. You can actually save some money with discounts that you can't even get at the post office. As if that wasn't enough, Stamps.com also offers UPS services with discounts of up to 62% and no UPS residential charges. Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your computer in the safety and comfort of your own home, office, or anywhere else you're hunkering down right now. So right now, my listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Claven. That's stamps.com. Enter Claven. Send your first post to the President of the United States and say, Dear Mr. President, how do you spell Claven? Because we want to get this information from the very top to come down to us. It's K. Ah, my God. There are no E's in Claven. We got the Chinese mailbag coming up, spreading wisdom like the plague. And that's all your problems will be solved. And hey, by the way, you know, next time we have a mailbag, which will be next week on Wednesday of next week. Feel free, if you want to, to embed a video of yourself asking the question. Don't go on forever, but, you know, send a short question. And if you want to include video of yourself, we'll use that video. We will not exclude non-video things, especially, you know, obviously, if you want to ask personal questions and you don't want your face uh, on air. But please uh, feel free to embed a video if you want to. So what we have now, the latest in the Obamagate, and we're going to tell you the story because nobody else is telling you, is that a a letter that Susan uh, Page wrote to herself, Susan Rice, I'm sorry, Susan Rice wrote to herself, uh, the national security advisor wrote to herself, basically covering Obama's backside and her backside, uh, saying that she was in this January 5th meeting, this now famous January 5th meeting with Comey and Obama and herself, Susan Rice. And she says, President Obama said he wants to be sure, this is January 5th, right? So the president's 15 days from uh, changing 
administrations. President Obama said he wants to be sure that as we engage with the incoming team, we are mindful to a certain if there is any reason we cannot share information fully as it relates to to Russia. Comey said, Comey said he does have some concerns that incoming NSA Michael Flynn is speaking frequently with Russian Ambassador Kislyak. Comey said that could be an issue as it relates to sharing sensitive information. President Obama asked if Comey was saying the NSC should not pass sensitive information related to Russia to Flynn. Comey replied, Potentially, Comey added that he has no indication thus far that Flynn has passed classified information to Kislyak, but he noted that the level of communications is unusual. So I, you know, I don't even know what that means. What would be unusual for the incoming NSA to talk to this? How often could he not talk to the Soviet ambassador? Seems like a pretty important thing for him to be doing. This is Susan Rice covering her butt and Obama's butt and laying it on, throwing basically Comey under the bus, saying that he had these uh, national security concerns. This is ridiculous, and it is a scandal. And I'll show you in just a second, Susan Rice denied knowing anything about it. And this is the story. And the story we're covering instead is what medicine Donald Trump, with the help of his, the best doctors in America, decides to take. And you have to keep this in mind. You have to view the news that way. So let's take a look. Let's take a look at Susan uh, Rice being interviewed by Judy Woodruff about this. This is way before any of this came out, about whether she knew anything about it. Their identities may have been disclosed. Do you know anything about this? I know nothing about this. I was surprised to see uh, reports from uh, Chairman Yunus on that uh, count today. I mean, let's back up and recall where we have been. Uh, the president of the United States accused his predecessor, President Obama, of wiretapping Trump Tower during the campaign. Nothing of the sort occurred, and we've heard that confirmed by the director of the FBI, who also pointed out that no president, no White House, uh, can order the surveillance of another American citizen. That can only come from the Justice Department with the approval of a FISA court. So today, uh, I really don't know to what uh, Chairman Nunes was referring, but he said that whatever he was referring to was a, a legal, lawful uh, surveillance and that it was potentially incidental collection right. on American citizens. Why the f you lying? Why you always lying? That is a lying, dog-faced, pony soldier. And she is one of the people they're talking about as uh, Biden's running mate, which is hilarious. You know, if it's not the morbidly obese Stacey Abrams, because now... How dare you? Know, that, you? <laughs> now that Nancy Pelosi has said, you know, Trump is morbidly obese, we're allowed to talk about this, right? That's not fat shaming. Somebody explained this on Twitter. Some liberal explained this on Twitter yesterday. Well, it's not fat shaming to say morbidly obese. It's fat shaming to say porky or fatty or, you know. So, so you know, this is... It may be the morbidly obese uh, Stacey Abrams, uh, or it may be Su Susan Rice, who's a lying dog-faced pony soldier, or it may be uh, Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan, who's a fascist. So they've got a lot of great choices for, for the Biden campaign. And this is like to run with the house plant. This is to run with a guy who's no longer cognizant of where he is. So now, finally, finally, the Republicans, it just, this is the thing. I, I understand why this frustrates conservatives. You know, conservatives are always being depicted as being angry. I don't blame them. Said, there are times I don't blame them. Finally, they're talking about subpoenaing some of these guys and bringing them in, bringing in Clapper, bringing in Brennan and starting to interview them. Here is Mitch McConnell finally, finally turning in to cocaine Mitch on this subject. 
No matter what some Washington Democrats may try to claim, you're not crazy or a conspiracy theorist if you see a pattern of institutional unfairness toward this president. You would have to be blind not to see one. You'd have to be blind not to see one. All of this is why the Senate passed important FISA reforms in last week's bill to help bring accountability and transparency into that flawed process. And we aren't nearly finished. Just yesterday, Chairman Graham announced the Judiciary Committee will vote on a serious new set of subpoenas so the Senate can hear directly from key players like James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Loretta Lynch, and many others to continue getting to the bottom of this. So let me say that again. Senate Republicans are taking steps to issue new subpoenas to a wide variety of Obama administration officials with some relationship to the abuses I've just laid out. My favorite part of this, because you know corruption makes me laugh. I always felt bad about this, by the way. I always felt bad about the fact that corruption makes me laugh. And the other day I was reading C.S. Lewis, the great uh, Christian apologist, on, and I, I was reading his preface to Paradise Lost, which is a beautiful, beautiful essay about the great poem Paradise Lost. And uh, he said that evil is funny. It, evil is horrible in this world because it causes so much destruction. But when you step back and you see it from a heavenly perspective, it is funny. It made me feel so much better about the fact that when I see the way Democrats are behaving, I always crack up because what they're saying now, like Chuck Schumer is saying, well, this is terrible. This is just a way of doing oppo research like we were doing during the impeachment scandal. You can't. This is this is a terrible, terrible thing that Republicans should stoop to our level, that they should come down. You know, it's like that, that's what they're protesting about. They're protesting about investigations. What kind of who does investigations? What who uses Congress to do investigations? It's terrific. But but unlike the Ukraine scandal, which was a nothing burger like hydroxychloroquine, which is if I could say if I could pronounce the word, it would become like just a great catchword catchphrase for nonsense news. We know we know that laws were broken here. We know that somebody in this administration broke the law. Here's Marco Rubio talking about that. At the end of the day, elements of a phone call between Mr. Flynn and the ambassador from Russia at the time were leaked, were leaked to the press. Someone broke the law. Someone took that information, gave it to members of the press and broke the law. And I think that alone is cause for um, for uh, accountability to find out who did it. You know, obviously that is information that was owned not by the intelligence community, it was owned by the FBI. They had possession of it. And so I think it's very valid to ask who knew about this information because it narrows the list of the people who are responsible or could be responsible for putting this in the public domain, um, which should never have happened. You cannot have a law enforcement agency have people within it that break the law. You know, I've been saying for a while that I think the guy who's uh, vulnerable uh, in legal danger here is Peter Strzok. But it's possible Comey could be in danger. I mean, he really behaved badly. I think I think the thing about Comey is that he was the victim of his own stupidity and his own sanctimony, but he fell victim to Russian disinformation. The Russians were selling him this stuff that, oh, Loretta Lynch is uh, corrupt, so now you have to go out and tell everybody that you're not going to uh, prosecute Hillary Clinton. Oh my gosh, they were, were working with Donald Trump uh, and the Russians. And there's now word that they actually suppressed information that Putin was figuring, uh, was hoping for Hillary Clinton to win. I don't think Putin cared. I think all he wanted was this. All he wanted was the three years of chaos and turmoil that the Democrats gave him. Now, now, this is kind of an interesting story. Michael Flynn's attorney, Sidney Powell, who's just like this kind of, you know, uh, uh, 
a non-Asian murder hornet. She's just like this very aggressive, aggressive attorney. Uh, she is now seeking to have just Judge Emmett Sullivan removed from the case, which is would be a very big deal because Sullivan, even though the Department of Justice said they don't want to prosecute Michael Flynn for lying to the FBI anymore because he didn't lie to the FBI and because he was set up and because even if he did lie, it wasn't material to the case, which is why you prosecute, prosecute those things. You can't, you know, if I lie to the FBI about the weather, that's not a crime. I have to lie to something that's material to the case. And there was no case and they knew there was no case. So the DOJ pulled the prosecution. The judge said, well, I'm going to invite some people in off the street to, you know, argue that we should prosecute it, which, you know, I've never heard of that being done in a criminal case before. And so now they're trying to get him removed. All of this, by the way, is just too much for Joe Biden. He just cannot believe. He cannot believe what's going on. He was happily in his basement. His wife was coming in and watering him. Uh, She was putting some plant food in in his pot. And suddenly he found out this stuff was going on. This is his pattern. Diversion, 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 diversion. Don't speak to whatever the issues before us are. My God, Obamagate. And he also, by the way, just said, I'm, I read that he is not going to allow the President Obama's picture to be hung in the White House as long as he's president. That's another inducement for him to make sure he's not president beyond January 20th. Come on. This is so venal, so petty. The greatest crime? I mean, my Lord, this is, oh. oh. No, I wish in high school I could take it behind the gym. <laughs> You know, I don't think I don't actually th- I, I could be wrong about this, but I don't think Trump said that he wouldn't hang the picture. I think he said he wasn't going to go to the ceremony uh, where the picture was hired. Now, I, you know, I don't know. Did we get did we have um, that audio from the Ukraine? The the Ukraine's uh, you remember that the Ukraine's chief prosecutor uh, was fired and Biden uh, bragged that he had put forward a quid pro quo of something like a billion dollars in uh, funding for Ukraine that he wasn't going to release if they didn't fire this guy. And the Trump camp claims that they fired him because he was looking into Hunter Biden's work at Burisma that he was getting paid something like $50,000 a minute for. Uh, and that's that's what they claim they did. That they, they claim that Biden put the stranglehold on the Ukraine until they fired him. We don't know that. We don't know that. What they what the Biden camp claims is that the prosecutor himself was corrupt. But they've now released a tape. First of all, the district court judge in the Ukraine ordered that the country's law enforcement services formally list the fired prosecutor, Viktor Shokin, as the victim of an alleged crime by the vice president. So they're basically making Biden a criminal in Ukraine. And then uh, they release this tape of of Biden talking to who is he talking to? I think he's talking to the uh, Ukrainian. Is it the uh, Petro Porchenko, right? And and he's basically saying, now I'm a man of my word. Now we can release the billion dollars because you fired this guy. Congratulations on installing the new prosecutor general. It's going to be critical uh, for him to work quickly to repair the damage Chokin did. And I'm a man of my word. I uh, and that now that the new prosecutor general is in place, we're ready to move forward in signing that new one billion dollar loan guarantee. It's a quid pro quo. A quid pro quo. But let's talk about hydroxychloroquine, or as we can now call it, hydroxychloroquine 
my ass. All right, let's talk about something much more pleasant, which is rockauto.com. Let's say your car is not working and it needs a part. One of the things you don't want to do is get in your car and pretend to drive to the auto parts car because your car is not moving because it needs a part. So what do you want to do? You want to say rockauto.com, not only because you can get cheap parts for almost any car you need, but you get to say rockauto.com, which believe me, trust me, I've done it. It is incredibly fun to do. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible. It doesn't change the price based on what the market will bear. And you can get parts for obscure cars, cars you drive every day, your favorite uh, souvenir car that you keep in the garage. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So go to RockAuto.com. Don't don't just go there. Go there with that kind of spirit. RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write Clavin in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you and then write Clavin in their How Do You Spell Clavin box because they want to test that before they'll deal with you. Of course, I mean, nobody who can't spell Clavin should be allowed to say rockauto.com. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. So so let's 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 talk a little bit about the scandal. Everything Trump does is a scandal when it comes to the Chinese virus as well, of course. Uh, I want to just play this little uh, exchange between CBS's Paula Reed and uh, Trump yesterday where he just uh, basically ripped her to pieces. Mr. President, why haven't you announced a plan to get 36 million unemployed Americans back to work? You're overseeing historic economic despair. What's the delay? Where's the plan? I think we've announced a plan. We're opening up our country. Just a rude person you are. We're opening up our country and we're opening it up very fast. Uh, The plan is that each state is opening and it's opening up uh, very effectively. And uh, when you see the numbers, I think... uh, even you will be impressed, which is pretty hard to impress you. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. The, the pre, you know, remember what Trump said, if, I'm, if I would hit Trump for anything during this, and I, you know, again, it's not that he didn't make mistakes, it's that everybody makes mistakes when an unprecedented crisis comes down the pike. Every, I'm sure that no matter who you examine, everyone has made mistakes, some worse than others, which I'll talk about in a sec. But the one thing that I would hit him for is when he said, I'd like to get open by Easter and the press piled on him, he he should have stood there. He should have stood stood up for that. You know, he should have stuck with it. Now, the reason he didn't was not because of the press, because we know he's not afraid of the press. The reason he did it is because the press got the people so scared that he knew it wasn't a popular idea. He knew the people would not show up. And that's, you know, it's a bad look. I mean, this is the kind of thing that's happening in Illinois now where the police, the state police are saying, we're just not going to enforce the lockdown order because it's unconstitutional. The police are doing the right thing. They're doing, they're enforcing the law, which is the constitution, not the lockdown order. But it's a bad look for a leader when he says, follow me, and he turns around, there's nobody behind him. So Trump probably gauged the fact that the people were not going to open the economy yet. And he backed off on that. I wish he hadn't. But now the press is saying, where are all the jobs? Why did, why is everybody out of work? How did that, it's Trump, it's Trump put everybody out of work. (laughs) It's an amazing thing. And meanwhile, meanwhile, a genuine scandal, a genuine scandal has developed in New York, in Pennsylvania and in New Jersey, where the governors forced nursing homes, forced them by decree to take 
patients who had older people who had the Chinese virus. So not only did the person with the Chinese virus go into the nursing home, then all those people got sick. Those are the, those are the people, you know, let, let alone save the Clavin. I mean, let alone. I'm sure if Cuomo could have had a, uh, an order having them housed in my house, he would have, but, but he couldn't do that. So we saved the Clavin. But so many of these people, thousands of people died. And now a reporter actually confronts him in the gentlest way. I mean, it is unbelievable, unbelievable. Trump taking hydroxychloroquine my ass is taking that is a scandal, is a scandal. But they ask a question of Andrew Cuomo. Oh, you know, do you think it might have been a little bit wrong for you to kill all those people here? I want you to you have to listen to every word that Cuomo says here because it's so important. Uh, It's not just important for this. It's important for what it says overall. I mean, there's so many ways to unpack this, but you got to listen to it. Well, how do we get justice for those families who had 139 deaths? What is justice? Who can we prosecute for those deaths? Nobody. Nobody. Mother Nature, God, where did this virus come from? People are going to die by this virus. That is the truth. Best hospital system on the globe, I believe we have. Best doctors, best best nurses who have responded like heroes. Every medication, ventilators, the health system wants for nothing. We worked it out so we always had available beds. Nobody was deprived of a bed or medical uh, coverage in any way. And still people died. Still people died. Older people, vulnerable people are going to die. (laughs) He left out one thing, which was the order forcing them to take sick people into a nursing home, people with a highly contagious, deadly disease to older people into it. That's he did that. That's what he did. Nothing. No accountability whatsoever. But Trump took hydroxychloroquine my ass. Okay. That's, that's the situation. That's the situation. And that, that clouds your mind. It really does. But the other thing I want you to pay attention to about this stuff is he said, we have the best hospital system in the world. We have the best doctors and nurses. We had all the supplies we need. We worked it out. So we had all the supplies we need. Who do you work that out with? Oh yeah. Mr. Hydroxychloroquine, the president of the United States, he gave them everything they needed our hospitals, what ha- whatever happened to our healthcare system is so bad. Whatever happened to we need Obamacare because our healthcare system is c- collapsing. It's so terrible. No, wh- suddenly, suddenly, when Andrew Cuomo is in the firing line, suddenly we have the best hospitals in the world, best doctors, best nurses. Where did they come from? They must have parachuted in from England. It must have been the national health system. They must have sent them like they did with the at the Olympics. The national health system from England must have parachuted into New York. I mean, the American health system, we know from Obama and Obamacare, we know that the American health system is completely broken and we need to get that universal paid for health care in there. But suddenly it's it's great. It's just like it's it's like the dual reality, the reality of the stuff you're supposed to believe and the reality of the stuff that everybody, including the left, knows is true. The reality is we have a great health care system because it's still somewhat free market. If it were more free market, if we could pluck the government out of there, it would be even better. The prices would be cheaper. The prices would come down. If we had a free market health care system, the prices would come down just like they do for television sets. But it's still the best on the globe because it's more free market than all the ones in Europe. 
We got everything we needed, says Andrew Cuomo. We got everything we needed. But that evil Trump, where was he with the respirators? You know, he he did a really, really good job. I mean, this is one thing. Again, there are things that I hit Trump for. I hit him for going back on his Easter reopening. That's a bad thing. I hit him for some of the some of the, you know, kind of useless anger he's expressed. But but he has been terrific at supplying uh, personal protective uh, devices to people. He's been great about ventilators. That was the last big scandal was, oh, the ventilators, where are they? Oh, we have enough. Never mind. We're not covering that anymore. You know, this is the way this is the way this works. And it does affect your mind. And and there is this other thing which I'm ready to build a statue to Donald Trump for, which is the federalism. And now he is signing an executive order aimed at fast tracking economic recovery by rescinding or waiving regulations that are inhibiting rapid job growth. Okay, so he invited all the members of those horrible agencies of the deep states and all the leaders. And he said, cut the regulations. Here's an executive order to give you the power to do it. A senior Trump administration official told the Daily Court uh, caller that the regulatory relief to support economic recovery executive order is, quote, the first time in living memory that a president has responded to a national crisis by deregulating instead of grabbing more power. And what's the right doing? They should be dancing in the streets. Instead, they're debating hydroxychloroquine, my ass. Here's Trump announcing the, uh, the signing of the executive order. We're fighting for the livelihoods of American workers, and we must continue to cut through every piece of red tape that stands in our way. And that's why this is such an exciting meeting, beyond being a cabinet meeting, which is always good. Because with millions of Americans forced out of work by the virus, it's more important than ever to remove burdens that destroy American jobs. In a few minutes, I will sign an executive order instructing federal agencies to use any and all authority to waive, suspend, and eliminate unnecessary regulations that impede economic recovery. And we want to leave it that way. We want to leave it that way. In some cases, we won't be able to. But in other cases, we will. The conservatives should be holding up statues of this guy. They should be waving Trump flags instead of debating whether he should be taking whatever medicine his doctor says he's allowed to take. (laughs) Really, really, it is amazing. We have got to clear our minds because our media is basically a fog machine. All right. Let us talk about era. You know, I love I always love it when we have sponsors that I've been using for years before that we, they became our sponsors, because I can just tell you, I didn't have to try it out. I've got these all over my house. Uh, Eero is E-E-R-O. Eero is a Wi-Fi your home deserves, blanketing your whole home with fast, reliable Wi-Fi. I have a writing uh, room out in the back. It's in my patio, so it's far away from the house, and the Wi-Fi was not reaching there. And of course, when I write, I need the I need my internet. So I put in one of these little devices, just a little tiny device, hooks right up, you work it with your phone. It's great. It's great. Now I've got Wi-Fi as if I'm sitting right here, which is right next to my Eero device over there, which is right off camera. Uh, Eero eliminates poor coverage, dead spots, buffering. You'll have a consistently strong signal wherever you need it. Eero sets up in minutes, plugging right into your modem or modem router box, and you manage it from a dead simple app. The app lets you pause the Wi-Fi for dinner and get alerts if any device attempts to join your network. I had that the other day. Some guy tried to log on, and I actually was uh, able to hunt him down. And no, I wasn't, but I did block him. And so it's really terrific. It really helps. You can get yours fixed. uh, Your 
your Wi-Fi fix as soon as tomorrow. Go to Eero, E-E-R-O dot com slash Andrew and enter code Andrew at checkout to get free next day shipping with your order. That's E-E-R-O dot com slash Andrew, code Andrew at checkout to get your Eero delivered with free next day shipping. You must use this URL to receive this offer, Eero dot com slash Andrew, code Andrew. It really is a terrific device. Don't forget to sign on for your all-access membership using the code CLAVEN. It's at uh, dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use the code CLAVEN. You get 15% off your all-access membership. You get two Canem 2 solid gold jewel-encrusted leftist tears tumblers. Uh, <laughs> you get uh, to be in the, the mailbag. And remember, uh, next week, if you want, you can embed video in, and we'll, we'll use the video to ask your question. The Chinese mailbag is coming right up, spreading wisdom like the plague. And you will be sounding just like that in a few minutes. All right, mailbag. This is a Chinese mailbag. So we had we brought in some Chinese people. Uh, so this is from Elizabeth. And I've kind of answered this question already uh, in the body of the of the show. But I want to read it for a different reason. It's, it's written in this very kind of uh, aggressive way. It says, if the leaked discussions with Biden and Ukraine guy are real and he withheld funding until the prosecutor was fired, is that a crime? Can he be prosecuted or are the Republicans, quote, above that, too? And the reason I read that is because I got a lot of flack for saying Obama uh, that that Barr, Bill Barr was right and Obama and Biden should not be put in prison unless they really committed a criminal act. They shouldn't be put in uh, prison for corrupt political maneuvering. We do not want to be living in that country. And a lot of people got angry about that because they love the lock them up thing and they want to see that. And I'm telling you, it is one of these things. First of all, let, let's use logic. One, you know that my answers are 100 percent correct. So if you're disagreeing with me, really what you should be doing is figuring out where you went wrong. Right. You shouldn't be getting angry at me. <laughs> it can't be me. Right? You know, use use logic. Also use logic. If you like Bill Barr, if you think he's doing the right thing, if you think he's investigating people without fear of favor, which is what we want the attorney general to do when he comes out and he says they're not going to be criminally prosecuted. You should trust him. You should trust him. Third, I'm right. I know it's hard. I know it's hard when they play so dirty to have to play somewhat clean. I'm not saying we should play soft. We should play rough. We should play tough, but we have to play somewhat clean because otherwise, if both sides abandon the Constitution, you got no Constitution. It's not enough to win. You have to win for the thing you're fighting for. That is the difficult thing. So when it comes to this Biden thing, we just don't know. Biden claims that he wanted this guy fired and he used a quid pro quo to get him fired because the prosecutor was corrupt. Until we can prove that, in fact, the prosecutor was not corrupt, but was investigating Hunter Biden we haven't that we don't have anything on him. That's why this is not the big scandal. That's why I didn't lead with this uh, with this recording that they released. So we just don't know. I mean, but and it's not it's not a scam. I mean, this is the thing about the Ukraine. Remember when they were impeaching uh, Trump over Ukraine? And I said, this is nonsense. This is like the hydroxychloroquine story. It's just absolute nonsense. The reason I was saying that is because there's always a quid pro quo in foreign relations. We're always telling people, you do this for us, we'll do this for you. It always works that way. So they kept using this Latin tag that they suddenly discovered quid pro quo. But no, you know, 
we don't know that Biden committed a crime in doing this. Uh, and we, we just we really don't know unless we find out that this guy was hard done by, as they now as they're now saying in Ukraine. So uh, we don't know. But also just remember, I know it's I know it's tough. And I know it annoys you when I say that Biden and Obama shouldn't go to jail for political malfeasance, only for federal criminal crimes. And if Barr says there aren't any, there aren't. I know that's annoying, but we have to fight for the thing we're fighting for. We can't just fight. It's it's the cost of being the good guys. It's the cost of being the good guys. The bad guy can hang out and shoot you in the back. The good guy has to call him out into the street. It's the cost of being the good guys. All right. Uh, from Clayton, um, oh, shiny headed thinker, great teller of tales, destroyer of worlds. I come to you with a problem that I find deeply troubling. I can't help but notice that the foundations of the natural world are cemented in truth, unchangeable, and mostly inarguable. But the world that all we humans, at least we humans in the West, live in is built on deception, narratives, the pitting of one side against another, and the word that I hate most, politics. It seems like we all live in this world completely aware of the fact that politicians lie. Politics is all about demagoguery, bureaucracy. It's not out to help individuals, institutions, and we must rely on the people we must rely on and institutions are corrupt. Uh, I myself absolutely cannot get past the murder of Jeffrey Epstein and the complete lack of follow through on the part of law enforcement, despite public attention. Things like this make me question how it is that we can live in a world made of unchangeable truths that everyone knows deep down and a world of known lies that is seemingly never questioned by the public at large. Well, the reason I read this question, because it is, you know, it's funny. I've been around a long time. I've had a wonderful, I, I mean, really, I've had a wonderful life, a life that is full of joy. After I got past my early years, I had a life that's full of joy. I've had ups and downs like everybody. I've had projects that became enormously successful. I've had projects that's gone down the drain. I've been rich. I've been poor. I've been mad. I've been sane. I've been a lot of different things, happy, sad, all that stuff. The only time I ever felt truly disappointed the only time in my entire life, and it sounds silly to say this, but it's true. The only time I ever felt truly disappointed is when I came to the realization that people were not searching for the truth. The thing that seemed most important to me, the thing that I thought was the direction in which history moved, in fact, is something people do not care that much about. They do not care about the truth. And when Jesus said to Pontius Pilate, you know, I'm the truth, I speak the truth, the people who love the truth uh, hear my voice, and Pilate said, eh, what's truth? That's the way the world feels. So how do you deal with it? Well, first of all, you know, because it's hard to deal with. It's as bad as you think it is, uh, Clayton. It's as, it is as bad as you think it is. And, and the thing is, look, there are, in our, there are truths that are unchangeable, but they're very hard to know what they are. So we're dealing with different things. And you have to remember this. You have to keep this in mind. We're dealing with opinion, for one thing. Somebody says uh, Citizen Kane is the best movie, and I say Casablanca is the best movie. Obviously, I'm in the right, but we can't prove it. It's just an opinion. There's no way to, to adjudicate that. Uh, then there are values. I lived in England. People, I would say to people, your healthcare system here stinks. This healthcare system that you like so much stinks. And they go, yes, but everyone gets the same thing. So it's fair. It's fair. You know, <laughs> like that's dumb, but that's their value system. They really do feel a lot of them. They, a lot of them feel that that is a more important value than getting the best health care is making sure the health care system is fair. Those are different values. Obviously, again, my values are correct, but that doesn't matter because we, we have to adjudicate that through politics. You can't be mad at politics. Politics is a, the way we have of settling these things. Then there's error. You know, uh, Alexandria Occasional Cortex. A lot of times she says stuff. She's not lying. 
She's not lying. She's a very ignorant young lady. She's not stupid. She's ignorant. She's been taught things that simply aren't true. So she's not lying. She's not, uh, you know, trying to pull the fast one on anyone. She's actually an ignorant person. And so there's error. You know, that's another thing. Then there's the thing that I think you're talking about, which is lies. And, you know, I don't think I don't think you ever get over this and I don't think you should get over it. I've never gotten over it. I'll be honest with you. The fact that there are people who put on a tie in the morning and put on a suit and go to the New York Times and their wives brag, oh, yes, my husband works for the New York Times, you know, and then they go in and they lie and they put out the 1619 project, knowing it's untrue, knowing they have to rewrite it with mealy mouthed words that will still convey the lie, but won't quite say the lie. They know they're doing this. And they say, well, you know, it it causes a conversation. It advances the narrative. The narrative is true. The facts are wrong, but the narrative is true. The fact that they don't care, that they have the job that is defined by telling the truth, that all the rewards they get are for being in that job, all the prestige they get, the fact that they own a tie, the fact that they have a suit, all the reason they went to uh, Ivy League schools and have all their credentials that they use, and they throw it away on lies. That's just something you're going to have to read your Bible about because it's in the Bible and it's something it is as bad as you think it is and nothing you do about it is going to change it. That's why that's why, you know, I'm, I'm restrained about a lot of these things. If I could take Dean Bacay away, there'd be another Dean Bacay. If I took Chuck Todd away, there'd be another Chuck Todd. It doesn't matter. This is the way of the world. When Jesus said in the world, you will have trouble. This is what he meant. This is what he's talking about. So how do you deal with it? You got to be a tough guy. You got to tell the truth no matter what happens to you. You got to speak truth politely, kindly, but steadily all the time and just and take your lumps because you are going to take your lumps. People are going to slander you. People are going to revile you. People are going to you're going to lose jobs. I've I've lost every venue I have for doing the work I do. I've just invented new venues, but I've lost all the pathways to venues. I signed a deal the other day. They were attacking me, uh, the publisher online for signing a deal with me. Uh, so so you pay a price for telling the truth. If you think the truth matters, live as if the truth matters. That's all I can tell you. That's the only reward you get. And you will be, you know, Jesus will greet you in heaven and say, well done, my good and faithful service servant. But in the world, you will have trouble. It's a truth. And just you just have to grasp the fact that it's as bad as you think it is and stop being surprised. I always say you should never be surprised by the same thing twice. And so it's hard. And I find it hard, too. But sometimes I wake up and I think like, Wow, a guy at the New York Times wearing a suit and tie actually sat down at a computer and wrote that knowing it's untrue. Yes, he did. That is the way of the world. You just got to tough it out. Uh, All right. From Chelsea, dear eloquent teller of tales. uh, Let me start by saying I'm immensely blessed in life. I love my family. I'm having an issue with my husband being lazy. We have two small children. Daughter just turned two, son 10 months old. I'm fortunate enough to still nurse our youngest. Needless to say, with two so young and so close in age, life can be challenging. My husband and I both work full time. I work very early hours, uh, often clocking in at 2 a.m., Yet I'm always the last one in bed. My husband typically gets home from work and doesn't contribute much. I have to nag him and beg him to help. It causes us to argue. We do our best not to let the children see it, but it's putting a strain on our marriage. And worst of all, I no longer want more children. I have approached this problem from several different angles with him. However, noting nothing really ever changes. Please advise. All right. You may not like my answer to this, but I'm going to tell you that uh, he's not going to change. He's not changing. And you're only making things worse for you and your children by... Uh, arguing about something that's not going to change. He's not going to change. And and this is the thing. This is who he is. This is who you marry. This is who you presumably love. Keep loving him. 
and accept this is the situation. This is the situation you're in. One part of solving a problem is figuring out what situation you're in, where the walls are, where what are the things that aren't going to change. And one of the things that's not going to change is your husband. You might you might win by nagging him constantly into working. That's not the life you want to live. So let me ask a couple of questions because I don't know the answer about this. Uh, do you have to work? Do you have to work? Because when you have two children that young, they can use a mom in the house. It's not a bad thing to have a mom in the house. I know if you got to work, you got to work. If you got to pay the rent, you got to pay the rent. And I understand that. But if you don't, if you don't have to work full time, if you don't have to work the hours you're working, maybe you could work less and do more. Do you have a relative that you can bring in who will help you with these things that you are doing? Is your mom around? Can you bring your mom in to help? Uh, you, If you are going to solve this problem or ameliorate this problem, you're going to have to do it with things that you control and let the air out of this tension in your family. You cannot have, you cannot just let this tension in your family build. You have to find ways to solve this problem that do not involve changing your husband because he's not going to change. And, and even if he does change, it will only be through constant hostility and nagging and anger and unhappiness. So, so now, now you know the boundaries of the problem. You may not like the boundaries of the problem. They may make you angry. Let your anger go and start to solve it. If you can work less, if you can not work at all, uh, and, and it, or if you can bring in someone to help you with the kids, those are those are some suggestions. If those don't work, you have to think of some more. Uh, you know, I, I would I would love to see you stop working if you could and have more babies. I think we need more babies, and the work you're doing, whatever it is, uh, somebody else can do, but nobody else can be a mom to your kids. So um, you know, that's that's what I can tell you. The first thing to accept is that your husband's not going to change. Um, all right. Do I have time? Yeah, a little time. Just a little bit more. Um, from Sophia, salutations, all-knowing, bald one who must be saved above all others. I was wondering what you think about the historical accuracy of the Old Testament, specifically the Jewish exodus from Egypt and deliverance from bondage. Many archaeologists and Egyptologists assert that because there is no physical evidence of the exodus in the time period when they think it took place, that this means it's just a myth. Do you care either way if the exodus is historically true or is it enough that you have faith that it happened? Well, you know, I, I, I do care, but I've seen no evidence that it didn't happen. I mean, evidence that the fact that they haven't found evidence. Here's the way it works. Here's the way all Bible study works with archaeology, okay? The Bible is the best preserved ancient document we have. It is the best preserved ancient document we have with the best uh, uh, trail of ownership that we have. Okay. It is excellent evidence that things that it talks about happened. No other piece of evidence is as good as the Bible. It's just true. I'm not, I'm not saying this because, you know, it's sprinkled with God magic. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just telling you, those are the facts about the Bible. However, archaeologists and historians will not use the Bible as a historical document. And so if they don't find in some, you know, other piece of shard that they have that has a little bit of squiggling, if they don't find Moses mentioned in it, they say, oh, well, there was no Moses. Ah, they didn't hold slaves. You know, they built the pyramids with machinery. You know, they had those big cranes from outer space. If they don't find evidence of slaves in the documents that are not as good as the Bible, they say the Bible is untrue. Because they have a prejudice against the Bible, they cannot be trusted in what they say. And this is a very new, this thing that there was no Moses is a very new, fashionable idea. I see it all over the place all of a sudden. There was no Moses. There were no slaves. You know, it's completely made up. 
That does not make sense to me. It, do, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't even feel like the truth to me. It's very fashionable right now. I see it in books by people who should know better. It means nothing. It, it literally means nothing. It doesn't mean there was a Moses, not proof that there was a Moses, but the documentation of the Bible is better documentation than we have about anything else anywhere else in the ancient world. There's more proof that Joseph, Joseph there's more proof that Jesus rose from the dead that there, than there is that Julius Caesar was assassinated. Okay, but they believe that Julius Caesar was assassinated and they don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. So they cannot accept the Bible as proof where they can accept, uh, you know, Tacitus and uh, uh, and other historians as proof of Julius Caesar. That's the way it works. It's not trustworthy. And so I, I do believe in the Bible in this case. And it does matter to me if I saw proof, if they found a big document saying there was no Moses and the Jews are lying. <laughs> that, would, that would count for something if it had the provenance that the Bible has but it won't. All right. I got to stop there. I will be back. I'll be back tonight on the all access thing. If you are not an all access member, become an all access member using the code Claven, and then come on at five o'clock Pacific, 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. And I will talk to you uh, right here. I'll talk to you then. I'm Andrew Claven. This is the Andrew Claven show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. And our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup is by Jessua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hospitals are empty, homeless shelters are empty, coronavirus cases aren't spiking. Great news, right? Not according to the mainstream media, which is working hard at inventing fake problems to frighten us. Then, the high school science experiment that locked down the world, Joe Biden's new nickname for President Trump, spoiler alert, it's super lame, and an explosive new allegation that Norma McCorvey, the pro-abortion plaintiff in Roe vs. Wade, faked her pro-life Christian conversion. All that and more, check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.